I'm a handshake and tape. I'm a spud with a plate. I'm a miracle that's graded day by day. I ain't your average quitter. I don't put up with golf. I'm doing the best I can. The drum tater. Welcome to the Path Forward Utah. I'm Jamie Renda, your host. Um, boy, since I've been on last, I, I believe last Tuesday, a lot has happened. So we have a lot to go over. I have a good friend of mine, LaTroy Woods, who has a Thursday podcast with James um, Edwards. The uh, What is it called, Brian? The Path the way to the top, not the path, but the way to the top. And uh, so LaTroy, I'm going to start out with this uh, just because this is part of what I'm going to integrate into my segments. Um, LaTroy had some life changing experiences about three and a half years ago and is becoming a life coach. And so LaTroy sends me these videos uh, every morning. Do you get a video every morning, Brian? Do you, do you watch them? Okay. So LaTroy sends me these videos every morning. And uh, and for the most part, I try to watch them. I'm not uh, always successful watching them, but I'll go back if there's one I missed and try to catch it later. But uh, so LaTroy asked me a couple of weeks ago if I, you know, if his, you know, our connection together has been helpful. And if it has, if I would do a video testimonial for him. And so, and then he gave me the reason, you know, that he's, because he wants to help as many people save themselves from themselves as possible. And so I thought about that and I thought, you know, LaTroy, I will do this video, but for it to be as meaningful as it should be, I know that you have a lot more that you could share with me um, that would help me. And uh, so we, we've been sitting down and meeting once a week and uh, doing the life coach thing and making some affirmations and and trying to dig within the potential within myself of overcoming some of the obstacles that I throw in my own way in my self-destructive path sometimes. And, uh, and anyway, it's been very helpful, very insightful. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I I've decided to integrate some of this into the program because the, one of the videos I listened to this morning and I've kind of concur, uh, came up with this common, um, themes that go, whether, whether the, motivational speaker or life help speaker is Asian or Hispanic or black or Jordan Peterson or uh, Joe Rogan or whoever it is, there's some basic themes that go in there. And one of the top basic themes is you have to take aim. You have to have an aim in what you're shooting for, the your end goal of what you're trying to aspire to. And then the second one is you have to acquire knowledge. You can't just take aim at something you want to achieve and then not put the effort into understanding everything about uh, that aim as possible. And then you have to work hard towards that aim. 
And uh, so, again, it wouldn't do you any good to take that aim as something that you say means a lot to you and that you want to achieve, learn everything you can about it, and then not take the action steps necessary to achieve it. And then the final one is you have to persevere, that it doesn't always happen in your time. Um and so it's a, it's a process. And uh, one and, and the thing I like about James and LaTroy's podcast, so if you haven't ever listened to it, it's Thursday, uh, directly after the Path for Utah at 11 o'clock. And uh, it's the path to the top. It's not the destination that they focus on. It's the path. It's the journey. And um, so in this, we have aim we have to have aim we have to get knowledge everything learn everything we can about our aim work hard towards our aim and persevere until we accomplish our aim and uh and so my aim as i've mentioned multiple times uh on this program is race relations and uh so I have over 20-something years, and I could do much better. I, I, I decide there's a lot of knowledge that I have limited myself on, so I'm trying to expose myself to much more information on understanding some of the dynamics that are involved here. And uh, now I have worked hard, but sometimes I think maybe I've worked hard and not uh, leaned to the inspirations as much as I need to. And so I think a lot of the knowledge that, I, that I'm going to start immersing myself in will help on that. And so as we move forward in America, as we move forward in Utah, I hope that all of our audience members out there that listen to this program will take this journey with me and with our podcast um, and make this one of your aims in life is how do we, because this is the dragon that we must slay in our time. Uh, I think over time that, uh, you know, there's been multiple times in which um, this battle has taken place and the Civil War definitely being um, a key element of fighting this battle, of the differences between us and fighting for those who may not be like us and recognizing the humanity in all of us. And so this battle has been fought before. It's been fought during the civil rights uh, era. This is a new battle. It's it's a little bit different in the sense that we've overcome so much, um, but there's much more to overcome. And this time, I think it's a... um, it was an awareness issue. It wasn't like, it, it's not the same battle that we've had in the past. This has been, it's twofold. It's an awareness issue that I think we neglected. And uh, so we had slavery. Then we had a, the reconstruction time period. We had Jim Crow. We had some times, and even though that we no longer had slavery, we had some very oppressive situations um, in our country and that definitely impacted, uh, you know, black Americans in a way that, uh, that maybe we weren't as aware of and, but the, you know, the self resilience, uh, they were very resilient to that. And, uh, <clears throat> and then came the civil rights, uh, 
where voting and jobs and discrimination and all that. But but then also came welfare and victimhood and some other things. I, I'm not going to, you know, again, the whys don't matter as much as the outcomes. And the outcomes that happened where we have a lot of uh, Americans who live in some hopeless situations, situations filled with despair of generational poverty. And because they weren't our neighbors, maybe, and we didn't understand what they were going through, we weren't paying attention. And uh, so that's part of what it, the problem today is that I don't think it was intentional or out of malice or out of hate or out of prejudice at this point. I think it was simply out of unaw- being unaware and uh being out of our zone. So that's part of the problem. And the other part of the problem is that there's some people out there intentionally trying to divide us as Americans. They have malice. It is their intent to drive a wedge between <clears throat> black and white and Hispanic, um, religious and non-religious, um, Republican, Democrat, <coughs> the wealthy and the poor, the middle class that uh, have a purpose in mind on driving this wedge between us. And uh, so it's twofold. There are some real problems. And but the other other problem is that there's people intentionally trying to divide us. So as we go up against this battle, we have to understand that there's two fronts that we're fighting. One is that we can't neglect the fact that there are some real problems that we have to find solutions for and give our a helping hand and some fellowship in saying, how can we overcome uh, this hopelessness and despair and this lack of opportunity that so many Americans that we were perhaps unaware of are going through. And so that's got to be part of our battle. And the other is we have to gird up and fight this opposition that wants to divide us among racial lines and economic lines. And so, As we go forward on this program, uh, I'm going to be talking about the aim and the knowledge and uh, and how we can work to overcome uh, what we're facing today. It's not the same as in the Civil War, the Jim or the Jim Crow or the Civil Rights Movement. It's a different battle, but it's still all intertwined on people who want to divide us and separate us. And uh, so when we get back on the path forward, I'm going to talk about some news of the day that's going on that kind of shows this as an example and how we can move forward. Be back in just a minute. to the Path Forward Utah. My team, the Path Forward Utah team, which is Ryan Woods, a.k.a. Lady Maga, Dr. Marcy, Bob McEntee, Pastor Jesse, and Ignacio Valdez met uh, last weekend to kind of discuss. We're putting together a website. We're going to have a newsletter. And uh, what our aim is, speaking of aim, we have we have this aim. And so... Uh, 
in in the path forward Utah. And so we're debating on, is it the path forward Utah we're going to go for? And so this program is going to remain the path forward Utah, because that is what we talk about on this podcast. But our domain, the predominant domain that we will be using is path for America. So I've kind of interchanged these because the path forward Utah is the path for America, that everything we do needs to be taken back to the most local unit possible. And the most local unit possible is ourselves. And matter of fact, Brian just read a tweet from a guy that he shared with me. And so I'm going to ask Brian, can you share that tweet? I'm going to give him a second. Uh, let me actually, I've got to pull it up here. Just, just one. Okay. Moment. Here he's going to pull it up. The older I get, Oh, great. I just lost it. The older I get, the more I'm convinced that activism is raising good children. And so this is from Zuby. Is it what? Zuby. It's a, a black musician, artist, uh, writer. Um, I have not heard of him, so I'm going to Google him. But if you want to look at Zuby Music, Brian said on Twitter, uh, you'll be able to find him. But I thought, again, it goes back to the most local unit, your family, your children, yourself. So that's where we start on our activism as we start be making sure that we're taking care of the most basic unit. And then that's what we can do to change ourselves, uh, to get our mind straight, to get our thoughts in order, to get our motivations in order, to make sure that we're working under the best motivations possible, that we don't have hate. We don't have, um, anger as our motivation, um, and not to say, you know, one of the things that in Jordan Peterson that I liked, he said, you know, uh, I'm going to really screw this up because I wasn't prepared to share it. But he was talking about that we want to be dangerous and dangerous in the sense that if we had to protect ourselves and our family, that we have that oomph within us to do it, but that we control ourselves, that we don't use that energy that uh, that um, in a negative in a negative way he said there you know being a passive you know being someone who's like a oh man I'm really I'm, I'm going to read it another day and get it his exact wording but I'm going to give you the basic ideal of it today that uh, a bunny rabbit is you know a passive gentle creature and uh, so being passive and gentle does not make one good what makes one good is knowing you have the potential um, to be dangerous and exercising that danger only in circumstances needed and uh, where we're not using that strength or that dominance in, in ways that aren't um, for the betterment of ourselves, our families, and humanity. And so just being a weak person does not make someone a good person, I think is the general message he was getting across there. But um, so we need to go take take this back to the most basic element uh, that we can, and that is ourselves and our families. And then we go to our local communities, our neighborhoods and our state and then our nation and then the world. And uh, so we got to pull things local. We got to we got to focus on us and our families. Um, We have to focus on our school systems, our cities 
and uh, our direct communities and then build from there. So we, you know, it's probably kind of the opposite, you know, national politics is what tends to prevail. Um, and then we forget about local. So anyway, we've just got to bring everything back local, start with yourself, start with your families and build out from there. <clears throat> but always with the motivation is becoming the best person you can be so you can do the most good that you can do. And so somebody's most good may just be functioning day to day, doing, you know, getting up, getting out of bed, going to work and providing for their family. And that may be that person's most good that they can do at that particular time in their lives. So each of us has to know what the most good is that we're capable of doing. I shouldn't say because we've got to stretch ourselves. And so we have to have this aim out there. We can't limit our possibilities. So we have to put the ultimate aim out there that we want to be a contributing member of the world around us. Um, but don't let that aim you know, jump towards that aim without, you know, taking care of our, our local business first. But uh, so anyway, enough on that tangent. I'm going to talk. There's a, a little, um, oh, what is it called? Oh, the show, Brian, where you have to, they ask, you know, um, the audience or the two people contesting, um and they have to name five things or six things and the, the little bar flips over and it says how many Americans answered that question, right? Family feud. Okay. With heart, uh, with, um, in anyway, so on family feud, the question was, is what triggers Democrats name something that triggers Democrats. <laughs> and this just popped up on Facebook, which I, I look forward to getting rid of one day when frank.com uh, or frankspeech.com comes out and is effective. But uh, the number one thing was the Constitution. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my gosh. And then the number two thing was Trump. And the number three thing was the flag. And the number six thing was the wall. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's pretty bad that those were the top triggers for Democrats. The Constitution, Trump, the flag in the wall. Anyway, I thought that was just kind of a neat trivia thing that popped up. So I had to share that. So things that have happened since last week, we had the George Floyd outcome, um, which I personally felt <clears throat> that manslaughter Definitely there, there was a case made for manslaughter. I did not feel there was a case made for murder. But, you know, again, we all have to have our our battles that we're willing to fight. And that's just not one of mine. Um, I'll, I'll let that work out in the court system, however it works out uh, for that. But I definitely believe whether that was these jurors' true intent or if they were intimidated to make that uh, decision, uh, you know, we'll find out over time, but they were definitely pressed by political leaders, a, a you know, a Maxine Waters, Joe Biden, President Biden, uh, put some political pressure, the riots that took place over the summer. Uh, all these things had to be a factor on these jurors' minds. And the fact that they doxed the jurors, everybody knew who these jurors were. 
So there's a lot of things I see as corrupt in the process, not necessarily the outcome. I wasn't there. I don't know, but the process. And so we'll see how that turns out. And so right before the the decision on the, the death of George Floyd came out against Officer Chavan, um, another incident happened in Ohio where a 15, 16-year-old girl uh felt she was being threatened by a couple of other girls and called 911. So when we get back in just a minute, we'll, we'll discuss this more on, on, um, again, this all takes back to my aim is how do we, how do we function? How do we overcome and, uh, and heal our nation and heal humanity on race relations. And so this story I think is one that, we can kind of <clears throat> tear it apart a little bit more and discuss on how this impacts us and how do we, how do we move forward from here? So we'll be back <clears throat> in just a second on the path for Utah. And again, the path for Utah is the path for America. And we'll be back in just a minute. <music> Forward, Utah, which is the path for America. So we're going to get into the incident that is all over. Well, I'm going to backtrack just a minute. Talk about the Oscars last night. <laughs> and so, cause, because I think this does tie into the incident that happened in Ohio is that somehow these celebrities think they know better than the average American. Uh, sometimes these athletic people, LeBron James, thinks he knows better than the average American. And they use their influence to stir anger and division between Americans, to divide us between our law enforcement. And uh, and I'm not saying that there's not a place for celebrities or people who've worked hard to accomplish a following that they shouldn't have a voice uh, but I think their voice has been way overused and they feel it's far more important than it is. And so anyway, last night on the Oscars, I think uh, a friend of mine, well, our our fellow podcast host, a.k.a. Lady Maga, Brian Woods, um, he put out a, a tweet this morning that I that I think summarized our feelings towards the Oscars really well. He says, I just Googled the the Oscar winners out of curiosity. And I've never been more proud of myself. I've only heard of one of the nominated films and watched none of them. And so I think that's where I'm at. I, I didn't Google who they won, but I did see a few things and I wasn't familiar with any of them. 
because they've made it to the point that I have no interest in watching any artistic thing that comes out of Hollywood, which is unfortunate because there's probably some things I would enjoy. But by participating and giving them uh, their accolades, it makes them feel they have a platform to tell me how stupid I am, to tell me how wrong I am, to tell me how ignorant I am. And I've just decided I'm not going to give them that platform anymore. So I think uh, Ryan had it perfect uh, when he said that he's never been more proud of himself because he wasn't familiar with any of them. And I think that's where, you know, most of us are, you know, so we're having to reevaluate our priorities. Um, How much time are we going to put into professional athletics? Are we going to watch the NBA games? We're going to watch the uh, baseball games, which is unfortunately, you know, is national, you know, America's national pastime is baseball. And, and um, all these entities have grown so big and feel so powerful that they believe uh, that they can dictate uh, our nation's or our state's election laws. Um, that's not why we watch national baseball. Um, so, I mean, it, it's these things here. So we have to make choices in our lives and uh, of, of where we're going to spend our time, where we're going to spend our money, what we're going to watch. And so I'm not suggesting, you know, what it is for you, but I, I'm with Ryan on this. I've just have not put much uh, interest. I certainly haven't put any money into anything coming out of Hollywood in a number of years now. And uh and we haven't watched, even though I love the Utah Jazz, we haven't watched one Jazz game this year just because, you know, uh, where the NBA has kind of taken its political statements and, and the owner of the Jazz and where he's putting his money and his influence and pressure on impacting legislation like HB 92 that uh, would have protected our youth, specifically young girls who oftentimes have been raped or molested, have had horrible things happen to them. And they feel because of this, they have so much body shame that they want to change their sex and start taking hormones and having surgeries uh, to alter who they are when they just really need help. And so the owner of the jazz has put this money into press pressuring our legislatures and not passing legislation that would protect these young girls. And uh, so anyway, that's on the, the Oscars and, and uh, our professional athletics right now, but in Ohio, just an hour before the verdict came out for George Floyd's case, uh, uh, there's a 16-year-old girl who was in foster care. I don't know why she was in foster care, but she was in foster care. Perhaps that was her mother couldn't take care of her. Her parents couldn't take care of her properly, and something happened there. Or the girl um, had some issues that she was causing problems with. It's usually one of the two. Either the parents, for whatever reason, weren't capable of taking care of their child, or the child had issues that made it where she needed uh, taken out of the home. Perhaps uh, they were a danger to the other siblings in the home, or they were running away, or they weren't going to school. I mean, whatever it was, you know, we it was brought up, you know, that this was a national or she was an honor student at her school and she was this and she was that. But something happened either between the parents or this child uh, 
that placed her in foster care. And we don't know what that was, but I'm just kind of putting that out there that something happened that she ended up in foster care. And, uh, and there were some other girls, I guess, that were in this lady's foster care home a couple of years before that were there visiting and spending some time there. And it sounds like, you know, what we have, the information that's came out since then, that these older girls, because of um, their relationship with this foster mother, uh, felt that perhaps this young lady was not doing her part in helping in the home, whether it was on chores or housekeeping, I don't know what it was, but it, it led to some arguments. And uh, whether this girl felt threatened physically by these girls has not really came out for, but for whatever reason, she called 911 and said somebody was threatening her with a knife. The police get there. And when the police arrived, a young woman was chasing another young woman with a knife. This other young woman fell on the ground and rolled down. And this young woman who had the knife turned to chase this other girl, pinned her up against a car, had a knife that was about to come down on this young girl's probably neck or head or somewhere in that vicinity. And the policeman, this all happened within about 10 seconds. And the policeman shot the young girl with a knife. Now, the policeman did not know you know, who called the police at this time? Which of these three young girls called the police? All they know is that someone called the police saying they were being threatened by someone with a knife. So this young girl is the one with the knife chasing not one, but two other girls. The police called out multiple times to stand down to this young girl. So if she was the one that was in fear of her life, once the police arrived, that fear should have dissipated and she should have been able to turn things over to the police. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at. So this happened to be a white police officer who made the call um, to shoot her, to prevent her from injuring or killing the other girl. And then the outrage broke out. And, and some of the things I want to talk about here um, one, I mean, and this came from leaders within the Democratic Party. Uh, it came from leaders, the Black Lives Movement, um, that why were the police called to a knife fight? Like, you know, this is common activity, a knife fight. And um, why bring a lethal weapon to a knife fight? And uh, so anyway, I mean, that type of nonsense just really blew my mind. We, you know, there's been knife fights going on between girls and youths for, you know, all this time. No need to bring a weapon, you know, a, a, such a, uh, you know, a gun into it. Why bring a gun to a knife fight? I think that was the, the terminology that was being used. Um, and so somehow we've got to have some real discussion on this because uh, this is horrible that uh, that this is such commonplace in any part of society between youth that uh, that we're being chastised by people that the cop was inappropriate bringing a gun to a knife fight as if knives don't kill people. And actually more people die of a knife uh, being stabbed every year than die of gunfire. Did you know that, Brian? 
Yeah. And we don't ever want to talk about that because then what do you do? I mean, get rid of all knives. <laughs> we can't eat steak anymore. I guess getting rid of knives would definitely help AOC on getting rid of cows and not eating steak or hamburger or things that we have to use to cut, um, use a knife to cut with. But uh, we don't want to talk about the fact that it is not the gun that kills. It's the person behind the gun. And obviously this was a kitchen knife. Uh, and that was being used as a weapon. But uh, anyway, uh, so so it started there. And then LeBron James had to chime in and and uh, basically target this police officer. We're coming after you next. Here this police officer was serving his community, responded to a call, did, made the best judgment call he could at the time to protect a young girl's life. And, uh, and LeBron James puts his picture out there and says, we're coming for you next. So anyway, when we get back, we're going to continue this conversation on uh, how do we heal our nation? How do we move forward from this when we're at such opposite ends of understanding a situation like this? So we'll be back on the Path Forward Utah in just a minute. Welcome back to the Path for Utah. I'm Jamie Renda, your host today, and just discussing on how we move forward, how we heal our nation. And um, so back to the situation in Ohio with this young girl. Um, it was a terrible tragedy. Um, this young girl's life, you know, she's just really beginning it. She's 15, 16 years old obviously either had some problems with her family or was going through some teenage struggles that uh, put her in a position where she was in foster care, Uh, was a decent student, it sounds like, somebody that was putting some effort into their studies. Um, But whether, you know, what provoked this situation, we don't really know because it's not really clear uh, the foster mother was not there. So it was these two teenage girls or t- two girls, I guess they were like 20, 21 years of age that uh, had been in this woman's foster care that had returned back and was staying there a few days. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but uh, the foster mother was not there. But these parents and the community members keep pointing their fingers at police officers and um and saying they need more training, they need more this, or they did this wrong, they did that wrong. And I seldom see any accountability that the parents are taking on themselves. Like, you know, maybe I should have been more aware of where my kid was at two o'clock in the morning and who that my child was hanging out with and associating with in the case of the 13-year-old that was shot by police a couple of weeks ago. Uh Devante, I think it was named Devante Wright, out with a 21-year-old, um, you know, with a gun that shot at a car that was going by. It, it's not all the police's fault. But yet, I have a friend of mine, and I've talked about her before, that's a leader of the Black Lives Matter uh, unit up here in uh, in in the northern Utah area. And she puts that on her Facebook and social media on a regular basis about white people staying in their lanes, that black on black crime is between black and black people to discuss. And it's not up to white people that white people need to discuss 
their own crimes going on in their own neighborhoods. Well, last I remember is we're all Americans and that these are American problems. And, uh, and so I'm not going to be forced to stay in my lane. This is something I've been passionate about for years and uh, feel that we've got to find some solutions too. And so nobody wants to talk about black on black crime. And so she points out to me last week that white people are killed. 82% of all white people are killed, are killed by fellow white people, which is about the same number of people, black Americans that are killed are killed by black Americans. The difference being, if you take a population into account, that black people are killed at five to six times the rate as to white people are. And that's a big difference. Black people's confrontations with police are at a far higher rate, a three to one of that of white people. And because of these confrontations, I mean, if you take mathematics into account and look at the number of confrontations of black people with police officers to white people, uh, black people are actually killed at a far lesser rate than white people are. And the number of white people killed uh, by police are, is double that, more than double of that of, of, of black Americans. And, uh, but that's just never discussed. Uh, percent of population, again, I mean, Latinos, it's very seldom discussed on that either. And uh, so we have to have, start having these honest discussions about what's driving it so we can find real solutions to help people. Um, and you look at in the George Floyd uh, memorial or the George Floyd square that they've created this autonomous zone. There's black business owners that are crying out of desperation that their businesses are failing, that the crime rates have skyrocketed. And where is the voice for these black business owners and the people that have lost their lives in these autonomous zones? Um, Where's the leadership representing their lives and their businesses? And there seems to be no one standing up for that. So I called my friend out and said, okay, if white people have to stay in their lane, who's going to stand up for these people? Who's going to stand up for the Turner girl that was shot and killed by Black Lives Matter activists because her parents turned into a Wendy's parking lot accidentally, not knowing um, that it was taken over by Black Lives Matter? Who's going to stand up for her? Who's going to stand up for the the girl that uh, was about to be stabbed by this young girl? Had she been stabbed, would we even known either one of their names? but we only know the name because it was a police officer involved the night before or the day before this incident happened in Ohio. there was a young girl that was stabbed uh, by another girl. Nobody knew her name. It wasn't even something that was discussed. Uh, Who's going to stand up for these people who, and uh, who's going to stand up for the mom or the dad who lost their kids because of drive by shooting their names never get talked about, never get discussed. Um, and so, you know, sometimes Candace Owens can rub people a little bit raw or wrong because she comes out and she's so adamant and seems to show no compassion to George Floyd or his circumstance where a lot of Amer- any American that watched that had some compassion. And she comes out in uh, such a way it's like, oh, man, Candace, she could be a little bit more sympathetic here. 
But uh, I can see her frustration that uh, the people who get glorified within the black American community are oftentimes those who've had criminal past. And I'm a big second chance believer. I believe people deserve second chances. But um, but I can see her frustration that the names that are saying, say her name or say his name, um, are not the innocent children, are not the the, the, the single parents or the parents uh, who were just trying to get to work and provide for their families that lost their lives. Um, we don't say their names. So who's going to stand up for these people? And we're being told that uh, if we're not of the right skin color, that we can't stand up for them. So anyway, we have a lot of, a lot of things to try to figure out in America a lot of things to try to figure out in humanity as a whole, because this isn't just an American problem. And so it's going to take each of us really digging deep within ourselves and, and finding the love in our hearts to make sure that we're trying to make a difference in society in a positive way and not out of revenge, not out of spite, not out of our backs against the wall. So we're going to go out and protect our own. I mean, there's a lot of, instinctive reactions that we might be tempted to have. So I'm going to encourage you on this program that we try not to have those instinctive reactions, but uh, that we just dig deep within our hearts and our minds, seek knowledge out to try to find the best solutions on, on coming together as humanity and finding solutions that can uplift the lives of those of our, our fellow, Amer- fellow Americans that are suffering that have not seen the hope of the America and the American dream. And, uh, and we try to find real solutions of, of coming together. And, uh, you know, again, I'm going to quote Charles Barkley on this, not verbatim, but just his idea is that most Americans, black or white or Hispanic, are good people that love each other and want good things for one another. But there's some people with ill motives that try to divide us. It's the establishment that wants to stay in power, maintain power and uh, over us and dominance over us that wants to divide us. So we have to find a way to unite together collectively across racial lines to preserve our freedoms and to fight against those who want to have control of our lives. Um, Russell Brand, I've also mentioned him a couple times on this program. Sometimes I like Russell's podcast and sometimes I don't, but he had an absolutely incredible one on Facebook that he kind of dove into and um, on how they're trying to enter into these new uh, markets of these underdeveloped countries and just the absolute um, mind control that they want to have. So anyway, we, we have some big things that we have to fight against, but it's not one another. It's not against racial lines like they want us to fight against. It's against these major corporations and entities that want to control our lives and take away our freedoms. Tell us that we can't control our elections. That's who we want to be fighting against. So we've got to find the love in our heart to, to join out and reach out to our neighbors and our friends and uh, people in our community and people outside of our communities to join together as Americans to protect and preserve our freedoms. And that's what this program is about on the path forward, Utah. 
because as we move forward in this way, we we save our country and it is the path for America. So listen tomorrow for uh, Ryan Woods, a.k.a. Lady MAGA, and uh, I'll see you on Thursday. 